Hello and welcome, this is Matt McCullough. Thanks for joining me here today for another edition of Moneyline. We're gonna do a little two-part special here uh, today and then coming out on Friday. We are gonna be talking about my predictions and my outlook for 2021. You know, most firms put it out. I'm gonna let you know our big picture outlook. We're gonna talk stocks, we're gonna talk sectors, but all this you need to know heading into what's gonna be an amazing 2021. Coming up now on Moneyline. The buck starts here. Moneyline with Matt McCall. All right, folks, thanks again for joining me. This is Matt McCall. It is December 29th. You kind of lose track of time down here. December 29th, it is a Tuesday. Uh, closing in on the end of what we can call a different year. That'd be nice. Uh, you don't want to say bad things, I guess, but a different year. We have the markets, though, believe it or not, hitting an all-time high. The S&P uh, 500, it's... It's about noon on Tuesday, um, and there's only, what, two and a half trading days left, really, or, or day and a half, uh, two and a half, or day and a half uh, trading days left, and we're at an all-time high. So uh, who, whoever would have thought with the headlines and what we had to go through, still in the United States wearing a mask everywhere you go, who would have thought that we'd have the S&P 500 at an all-time high? Not me, but kind of we did. We had this game plan. I just didn't think it would get there this fast and this strong, but uh, I, I would tell you things look, look good in the market right now. We're getting a pullback in some of our hot sectors, uh, some of the EVs, the batteries, uh, some of the SPACs are pulling back, some of the healthcare companies that are gonna lead the next generation of healthcare pulling back. And you, know, you look at a portfolio and, and you have clients reaching out, people asking, what's going on? Well, we've gone up so fast, so quickly. Things don't go straight up, it's okay. You get some profit taking, some selling begets selling, stocks pull back. Uh, I'm looking at one in particular that was at $5 in March, ran up to over 45 uh, last week, pulled down to 35 today, it's back to 38.50 already. But you know, it's crazy, that's what you're gonna see. That being said, it was just at 35 two weeks ago, over from 35 to 45. So you're still up huge in so many of these stocks, but you can't go straight up. So don't freak out because your portfolio takes a hit for a couple of days. Uh, it sucks. I mean, mine's taking a hit today because I have a lot of exposure to a lot of healthcare, little high aggressive uh, stocks, but you have to look at it in the grand scheme of things. If somebody had told me at the beginning of the year, this is how well you're gonna do, I'd say that's great, I'll take it. I'll take it right now. I'll take probably even less, uh, considering all the headlines we to deal with. Heck, I would have probably said, I'll give me a break even. Um, so, I, so you can't really view it in a day-to-day -day basis, a week-to-week -week basis, not even a month-to-month -month basis. You need to be a long-term investor. So if you're seeing your stocks pull back this week, it's okay, folks. It can't go up. Your, your portfolio can't hit an all-time high, all high every day. I know it felt like that for some time, but it's not reality. So just a bit of a reality check, uh, not talking down to you, just saying, hey, it's okay. You, you're not going to hit a high every day. You're, you're not that good. Um, you're not Bernie Madoff, who obviously was not even having real returns. All that being said, let's talk about the year ahead. Uh, I like to look back on history and use it as a guide to where I believe the future could go. That being said, too many people on Wall Street, I'm going to say the majority of people on Wall Street, try to drive a car by looking in a rearview mirror. Uh, they, they look back. I love when I see the, the trailing 12-month P-E ratio is X, Y, Z, whatever, it, whatever the number is. And, oh, that means we're overvalued. Why do you care what the, what the company's made in the last 12 months? You're not buying for the last 12 months. You're buying for the next 12, 24, 36, 48 months. It doesn't matter what they did. It's, that, that's priced in. 
And it's probably the next six months are probably pricey, if not the next 12 months. It doesn't matter what happened. You try driving your car straight ahead and looking in the rearview mirror. You're gonna crash and burn. The same thing happens in a market. And that's why most advisors stink. Because they look in the rearview mirror. It doesn't matter. I look back in history because I want to learn from what the mistakes I've made. To learn from the mistakes people have made for, for the last century in the US markets. Learn from patterns. I get that. But we can't look at valuations based on that. You, you'll never win. I'm telling you folks, you will never, ever, ever win. Uh, you're fighting an uphill battle if, if that's the way you look at the market. So we want to look ahead. It is about to be 2021. So my big picture is bullish. And they're going to say, well, Matt, you're always bullish. I have been bullish for the last 10 years uh, since the day the market hit intraday low in March 2008 when I went live on Fox and I put out the Andrew Jackson portfolio. And I said, these are stocks to buy. I think there's eight or nine stocks total. Uh, you could buy one share, total will be less than 20 bucks. Andrew Jackson's on $20 bill. That's where that name came from. I also said that day that some of these stocks may not be around in a couple years. And a couple of them were. You know, GM went out of business. Um, I think it was East Minkota. No, another one went out of business too, and I can't remember which one it was. But two of them went out of business. However, the portfolio is still crushing it. Uh, you know, I've been bullish since that time, and uh, I, I'm not changing my ways. And I'm going to talk about why I'm bullish in a moment, but and our big picture view because I'm going to back it up. I don't just want to tell you I'm bullish because you're going to think I'm this, this guy who's always, always a permable. And, you know, I probably am a permeable because history shows again, looking back in history, the market's up majority of the time. So I'm not going to try and fight it. It's just, it's, you know, do I think the market's going to pull back in the short term? Yeah, a couple percentage points. Stocks could pull back five to 10% individual companies, easy. I'm not, I don't know when it's going to happen, so I'm not going to try to play that. I'm going to buy into the pullbacks and buy into stocks that I love at a discount. So big picture, number one is bullish for 2021. Now why? A couple of reasons. One is the checking deposits as measured by the St. Louis Fed. The checking deposits began the year, this is the amount of money in US checking accounts, began the year at 2.25 trillion, two and a quarter trillion dollars. It is right now after a recent spike from the middle of uh, November, we had another spike through today, 4.77 trillion. We have more than doubled. And this is a big number, you're already at a high. We're at the highest level by far ever of money sitting in checking accounts. Savings accounts went from 9.8 trillion beginning of the year to 11.2 trillion. Again, an all-time high from the Fred uh, St. Louis Fed survey. Household net worth, all-time high. I know it may not feel that way to a lot of people listening because they may say, I don't feel like I'm worth anymore. I'm out of a job, whatever it might be. Uh, I don't feel like my checking account has more than it's ever had or my savings account. And again, this is not, does, does not go for everybody. Uh, we, we've, some of us had uh, some very rough uh, few months. Uh, some people have flourished because their businesses just happen to be in an area that flourished. And it, it is what it is. It's things for the people that haven't. And I, and I congratulate people that, that have done well. But I want everybody to do well. I get that. Uh, but I'm just stating the numbers. And the numbers show that. And what that tells me is that money in the sidelines. And keep in mind. There's another $600 check coming your way to a lot of people uh, under a certain income. And maybe it's 2,000, I don't know, they're presenting that, I don't think it's gonna go in front of the Senate, but it might be 2,000. Or we might see another stimulus next year uh, once the Biden administration takes over. I would not be surprised at all. Uh, so to me, this number is gonna to continue to inflate. And what happens is as the value of the dollar continues to slowly eat away, the value of that money in the checkings and savings accounts goes down. 
Also, you're not getting any interest on it. So what to do with your money? Well, I'll tell you what most people will do, and it's probably not the best, is as consumers, we spend a lot. They'll go buy stuff and things. It might, make, it might be necessities, but they're gonna spend on things. That money they spend on things and stuff goes back into the economy. When that goes back into the economy, what does it do? It creates higher demand for these things and stuff. Somebody has to make the things and stuff. That's when you start getting people back to work. More people get back to work, they're making more money. They're putting more money back in the economy. It's this nice little circle. I know on, on paper this sounds so easy and so perfect, and it's not this simple. I'm really simplifying this for the, the sake of that we're on a podcast right now. And I could debate this with people, and they think I'm crazy. There's two views of, of school here. Um, my school of thought is this money is going to fly back into the economy. Some people say another school of thought is it will go in the market. It's not all going in the market. Let's be honest. It's not. But some will go into the market, number one. Number two, majority of it is going to go into the economy, which will create more jobs, more money sloshing around, and eventually helping the economy, pushing up earnings per share for companies, which does then attract more money to the stock market. So it, there is there is a indirect correlation to the stock market here, if not a direct correlation. So for me, th these, these are great numbers. Another um, outlook here for 2021 while I'm bullish is I just mentioned that we could see more stimulus. I don't think stimulus is done. I think we could see a little bit more. Um, whether it be the, be the route of checks, whether it be the route of uh, helping out airlines or small companies, uh, restaurants, hotels, or whether it be stimulus behind a trillion or so dollars going into upgrading the EV charging stations, which Biden said he wants a half a million throughout the country, whether it go into clean energy, whatever it might be, more money, in my opinion, will be flushing into the market. We have interest rates at or near all-time lows, uh, mortgage rates at or near all-time lows. I don't see that changing anytime soon. The Fed has basically said they're not coming out anytime soon. They'll let inflation go above the 2% target and uh, I think they'll let it go well above there and, and I think that will continue to float for a year or two. That being said, uh, this leads to another prediction for this year and beyond is cash is no longer king, folks. Sitting on a bunch of cash is no longer that great thing that, that people talk about. Should you have some emergency cash? Absolutely. But you're sitting in cash and you're probably getting much less than the inflation rate, if anything, on your money. So you're actually losing money. You are losing money every single day. I mean, that hurts to say, as I have cash, uh, I have some cash, uh, but yeah, you're losing money. And yeah, there's some people that you need cash because you need to preserve capitals, you need access to that cash to buy something in the future or, or to pull off to, to pay your bills. I get that, but you should have a certain amount of cash. That being said, we have too much, as I just mentioned, by the checking accounts and savings accounts, uh, the average Americans losing money every day they wake up, and that's sad. So cash is no longer king. There are some alternatives, folks. Uh, Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, altcoins have been a great investment return the last couple of years. Um, good store of value. Uh, gold and silver, I'm not a huge fan of, but it's done okay uh, as of late. And you know, how about uh, stocks? Uh, buying in good quality companies are, is a great way to hedge against inflation and, and the following U.S. dollar. So there are ways out there to hedge against that U.S. dollar falling. And 
I'm not a fear monger like a lot of people in my industry where, you know, cash is dead, your dollars are worth nothing, or I love the rumor that all of a sudden somebody's gonna come into the banks and take all the dollars out. That's, that's BS, that's not happening. That being said, if you look at it, the true value of the US dollar over the last 100 years, it goes like this. So there is, again, history on our side saying uh, we should look at alternatives instead of having too much cash in our portfolio. And, and number one alternative is stocks, is owning good quality companies. A couple other trends I see being very important that you can't ignore this year. One is small caps uh, and mid caps, more in particular small caps. If you look at where small caps are right now, they've actually done pretty darn well in the fourth quarter uh, versus the large caps. However, uh, over the last several years, they have really lagged the market. And I think it's time for the small caps to really take control. If you take a look at valuation in small caps versus large caps, a few months ago, it was the widest range that we've seen in a long time in favor of the small caps, uh, that they were, they were undervalued versus the large caps. So I believe that that is gonna change here very quickly. And I'm just pulling up right now, so I'm not looking at the camera, I'm just pulling up the performance of, of some ETFs, how they've done uh, over the last, uh, uh, last quarter here. So over the last three months, if you look at performance, the Russell 2000, which is small mid cap, um, 2000 smallest US companies, is up 32.5%, uh, the Russell 2000 ETF. The Spiders, the S&P 500, 500 largest US, uh, up 11.8, so almost three times as much, uh, a little you know, 2.8 times as much. That's a big return difference for the small caps. However, if I go back a little further and I go back even real far, I go back 10 years, the S&P is actually up 261% and the Russell's up 190. So you're going to see a big switch in my opinion. You need to be in small caps. And this makes what I do so important because I pride myself and my business on being able to find small mid-cap growth companies that are overlooked. Uh, I used to have a newsletter called Future, F-U-T-R, Flying Under the Radar, called it Flying Under the Radar Stocks. These are stocks that you may have heard of, but the, the, the masses have not. If you watch me, you probably heard of a lot of them, but the masses have not yet found it. The big guys on Wall Street haven't yet found it. Old Wall Street hasn't found it. We're here first, and that is how you make big money, folks getting in before. And what's amazing about the small, mid-cap, especially the micro-cap stocks, is they're inefficient. They don't have a lot of coverage. They may have one or two analysts covering it, if that. So you only have one or two people in the world kind of looking at this company, giving out public information on it. That means it's inefficient. That's why if we do extra research, we could find these inefficiencies and find these great stocks. And that's why my early stage investor newsletter has done so well this year. So again, uh, I, I think you cannot ignore the fact that small caps are make up a, should make up a great portion of your portfolio. And don't let an advisor tell you smaller stocks are more risky than bigger stocks. That is absolute bullshit. It is not true. It's not based on that. Are some small caps much more aggressive than some large caps? Yes. Are some large caps much more aggressive than some small caps? Yes. It's on a, it's on a stock by stock basis. It's not asset class. That is complete BS, as I just said. Emerging markets, another area that I think is, is going to be overlooked. Uh, it has started outperforming again. If I take a look at the last three months, um, the emerging markets uh, ETF, the Vanguard, is up 15.9%. As I mentioned, uh, S&P is up 11.8%. So it has started moving. But again, let's look at that 10-year return. Emerging market, uh, as I'll go back to S&P, S&P 261%. 
the Russell 2001-91, the Vanguard Emerging Markets, 36%. That's all over 10 years. That's not very good. That's about less than 3% if you, take the, if you compound it over the years. Uh, that's not very good. But I think, again, you're seeing see a rotation, and you're going to see with the U.S. dollar being weak and probably being weaker for the next couple of years, that's good for a lot of the emerging markets. Uh, and a lot of emerging markets that deal with commodities and materials should do real well. I see a lot of great opportunity in the emerging markets. So again, another area that cannot be overlooked in your portfolio. And again, most of your financial advisors will say they're too aggressive. And again, it's not true. What's aggressive, too aggressive in my opinion is, and again, I've talked about portfolios I've seen. I look at portfolios every day from uh, potential clients coming in. And when I look at portfolios, they, they, the, their advisor says they're, they're diversified. 50 stocks, 100 stocks, several hundred stocks. But 95% are large cap, 95% are based in the US. That's not diversified, that's high risk. Because if the US large cap stocks come down, you're in trouble. You're in big, big trouble, folks. Have they done well recently? Yes, but you need to be diversified. There's other options out there. You're putting all your eggs in one basket. If that's what you want to do, just buy the S&P 500 and be done with it. So there, the, 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 the way we perceive risk is not correct. Uh, when I say we, I mean old Wall Street, just the way that, you, that people look at it. So cash is in king, small caps, emerging markets, Japan, <laughs> believe it or not, I keep this finger, it broke too many times, I can't even push it up, look at that. Um, playing football. Japan, breaking out to the best level since the 90s today. The 90s. My God, just think about that. What was happening in the 90s? I was graduating, ooh, sorry. I was graduating high school. I mean, my goodness. Uh, Japan breaking out. Don't ignore Japan. And there's some other developed areas. I, I mean, Europe, to me, I, I don't see it quite quite there yet, but there's gonna be some opportunity there as well. So I see a lot of opportunity around the world. We can't ignore it and get, and get, get US-centric and get these blinders on and just see the US. And again, old school way of thinking is anything outside the US, you take more risk. Anything outside of large caps, you take more risk. It just isn't true. Ask anybody who's ever made big money in anything in life, you have to move before everybody else does. Eventually, it won't be risky when small caps outperform the next five years or emerging markets outperform next five years, and they say, well, where were you? Well, five years ago, my advisor said it was too risky. If you have a good diversified portfolio, you're fine. All right, and then an another trend I think is, is not ending, and this is kind of a two-tiered two trend. I believe the IPO market stays hot, and I believe even hotter will be the SPAC market. And everybody here knows what SPACs are if you watch me, SPAC, Special Purpose Acquisition Corp. Uh, we've done so well in that. And again, I am rolling out the SPAC calendar early next year, so be ready for that. Uh, it's gonna be huge. I mean, the, the number of SPACs uh, this year has been the, f the most ever by far, the most money raised ever by far, the most press they've ever gotten combined in history, I'd say, this year. It has just been a, a fantastic year, and I love it because most SPACs give the individual retail investor, you and I have the opportunity to get into uh, early stage hyper growth companies at an earlier time versus an Airbnb that waits to go public at several billion dollars, uh, tens of billions of dollars, I should say. Where that's, the money's been made in, in a lot of those companies, so you, you don't have the access as the average investor. So 
again, I, I think SPACs continue, and uh, I, I'm excited to see where they go. A lot of them pull back in the last couple of days, which is great. gives us some opportunity, but we're going to have a lot of great stuff. I've been doing extra, extra research while I'm down here in Nicaragua uh, on SPACs. I have a lot of great stuff I can't wait to roll out next year. So again, just to recap really quick, uh, big picture outlook, stay bullish, folks. Uh, record amount of money in checking accounts, saving accounts, net worth all-time high. That money will flow back in. We're going to have more stimulus coming. Uh, could be a $600 check, $2,000 check. It could be another check next year. Uh, it could be a, a infrastructure bill. We're going to see more money flow in. The Fed's keeping interest rates uh, at or near all-time lows. Mortgage rates at or near all-time lows. Cash is no longer king. We need to look for alternatives. Stocks are an alternative. Cryptocurrencies are an alternative. Uh, owning land is an alternative. There's a lot of alternatives to to cash right now. Small caps are just starting to outperform. They will be the outperformers during the roaring 2020s. The emerging markets will join the small caps as outperformers during the roaring 2020s. More SPACs, I just mentioned that, and Japan breaking out. I like a lot of, a lot of stuff in Southeast Asia right now as well, and Japan. So there is part one of my predictions for 2021. You all might be saying, well, where are my, stick, my tickers, my, my stocks? Well, part two. Coming up, you'll see how the same clothes on because I'm going to tape it right now, but it will go out Friday. Will be part two. Do. We'll have dos, I should say, since I'm in Latin American country. Dos will be out on Friday with some stocks for you for 2021. If you don't see me before then, have a wonderful, happy, safe, great New Year's celebration. Drink a lot of water. You're going to need it. All right. Thank you so much. Go out there. Hug somebody, tell me love them, smile, be grateful for what's happened in the world in 2020 and we're still standing. Uh, it's going to get better, folks. It truly will. Thank you so much for watching. I'm Matt McCall, and that's been your Money Line. Money Line with Matt McCall. To find more information, head over to McCallMoneyWire.com. That's McCallMoneyWire.com.